Praise God. You can be seated this morning just for a moment. Praise God. Man, what a way to start off Christmas Eve. Amen. So great to be in church with all of you. And um, if you are visiting with us, we, we welcome you. This is not our normal service today. We have the kids and youth in service with us today, and so that's okay. Um, but we'll, we'll try to keep it relatively short. We know we have some uh, attention spans that, that run the spectrum this morning. So I just want to read a few scriptures to you, and then we're going to receive communion together today as uh, families. If, if you're here with your families, we encourage you to come up together as a family. If you're here by yourself, that's fine too. You can just come up by yourself, and, and we'll receive communion with you. But I want to receive, uh, just read a few scriptures this morning. This is Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. It says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Isaiah prophesied this hundreds of years before Christ was born. And again in Isaiah 7, 14, he said, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. And that's one of my favorite names in the Bible for God is Emmanuel because the word literally means God with us. And that, that encapsulates the whole Christmas story. God literally came to be with us. And I'm, I'm humbled and every time I think about the fact that God wanted to be with us, uh, he chose to be with us. And that's really the whole story of the Bible. When you read, even in the garden in the beginning, it says that Adam and Eve walked with God in the cool of the day. So he, he created us for fellowship to be with us. That fellowship was broken. Uh, but then he, he has them build the tabernacle in the wilderness and he says I'm gonna and, and the Ark of the Covenant and he set the Ark of the Covenant right in the tabernacle and his presence was right at the center of the camp all of the camp all of the tents were set up around the tabernacle all facing the tabernacle where they could see the presence and the glory of God even in that sinful state God wanted to be with us and then and then after the tabernacle when they they finally get into into Jerusalem they build a permanent temple and in the temple, what do they do? They put the Ark of the Covenant, and the presence of God comes and lives right in the middle of the city. And, and His presence is always with the people, never wanting to be far away, never wanting to be distant. And then in the New Testament, the greatest uh, miracle happens where we become the temple, and His Spirit literally lives in us. It wasn't enough to be distant and far. He wanted to literally be in us. And as believers, we have a measure of the presence and the Spirit of God living on the inside. Why? because of Emmanuel. God wanted to be with us. And I love how he came. He came in a way that tells us exactly who he wanted to be with. He didn't come for the rich, the wealthy, the powerful, uh, the, even the religious. You know, the first time that he comes, he reveals himself to the shepherds out in the field, just regular common people. And that's who he wanted to be with. And even through the New Testament, that's who he spent his time with. And, and some of the more religious people didn't understand. Why is he hanging out with sinners, tax collectors? Why is he being for? He said, because I'm Emmanuel. God with us. God with you. God with everyone. No one's left out. No one's excluded. Everyone can come to God. And it, and it all began 
with this beautiful story of, of the Christmas story and, and, and the birth of Christ. In Luke chapter 2, verse 8, it says, In the same region there were shepherds in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were all filled with fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of a great joy that will be for all people. Not one left out. Amen. For unto you this day a child is born in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And that's what we're celebrating today. Of course, the Christmas story, it begins with the Christmas story, but really... Uh, the Christmas story was just the beginning of the life of Jesus and, and, of course, eventually his death, burial, and resurrection. That's what purchased our salvation. And that's what we're going to celebrate today through communion. And I want to read this to you in John chapter 6. Uh, Jesus had, communion had not, or the, or the Lord's Supper had not yet been instituted. And, but he kind of explains it in John chapter 6, and it, and it sort of confused everybody. Even the disciples were a little bit confused because they didn't know exactly what he was pointing to. Uh, but John six forty seven, he said, Truly I say to you, he who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, and they died. But this is the bread which comes down out of heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. So here's the real important part of what Jesus is saying is this connection that he makes with the manna. So if you remember in the Old Testament, when the children of Israel were in the wilderness, God provided them daily with manna. Ma you know, we call it manna, but it's like magic bread. You know, just come down out of he heaven every day. I wish some of that would show up at my house every now and then. But <clears throat> anyway, manna, Hebrew for magic bread, came out of the sky. No, I'm kidding. That's, that's not, don't quote me on that came out of the sky, it rained down, and they ate it every morning and evening. And how many of you remember, it, if they kept it overnight to the next day, it would spoil and it would rot. And all of this was intentional. All of this was a picture to point to our relationship with Christ and how we were to live daily. You remember when Jesus taught the disciples to pray, he said, pray, give us this day our daily bread. So our relationship with God, our life-giving relationship with God, it's a daily going to God for this, for this bread. We call, it, we call it bread, but really it's Zoe life. And we go to God, and our, our life and our sustenance comes from Him, and our connection with Him, we receive it on a daily basis. And so he said, as manna, you were fed, uh, and then they, they ended up dying, even though they ate this bread from heaven. They ended up dying. He said, but it was pointing... To the true bread of life. And he said, this bread, when, when a person eats this bread, they will never die. Now, I know we have a lot of kids in here this morning, so I don't want you to think I'm talking about the bread on the table. That when you eat this bread, you'll never die. The bread is a symbol of Jesus. And as we give our life to Jesus Christ and we're born again, we are partaking of his body. The bread is a symbol of his body. And it's through the body and blood of Christ that our spirits are born again. And we become saved and we receive eternal life. And if you've done that, you will never die. You'll leave this earth, but you'll go on to be with Christ forever. Some of us take it for granted, but I'm telling you, it's something to celebrate. It's, and it's a reason to celebrate this morning. Amen. 
verse 51, he says, I am the living bread that came down out of heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread which I give uh, for the life of the world is my flesh. Then the Jews begin to argue with one another, saying, How can this man give us of his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, Truly I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in yourselves. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Communion symbolizes this process that Jesus was trying to explain to them. The bread and the juice, they have no power in and of themselves. They have power because of what they symbolize. They have power because of this in your life already. If a person is not a follower of Christ, if a person's not been born again, the bread and the juice isn't going to do anything for them. But when a person has been born again, it's an act of worship. And more than that, the scripture tells us that it's a declaration saying, I have a partnership in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Really, the significance of communion is to say that I have become a partaker of what happened on the cross. That not only was it Jesus who was crucified, I was crucified. Not only was it Jesus that was buried, I was buried. Not only was it Jesus that was resurrected, I was resurrected. And when we receive communion this morning, you are affirming that fact. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 10. He says, the cup of blessing that we bless, talking about communion, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? We are, we are, we had literally participated in what happened on the cross. He says, the bread that we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? So there's power in what we're going to do this morning. If you read the, the whole chapter, he actually talks about the danger of taking communion uh, in an unworthy manner, he says. He says, because you, you need to have your heart prepared. You need to do this out of the right heart and the right spirit. You need to do it as someone who's been born again and with the proper reverence. Why? Because there's power in it. Just like there's power in worship, there's power in prayer. There's power in, in the Word of God. There's power in communion. Amen? So this morning we're going to receive communion. And, and I love the way we're doing it this morning as families uh, because the, all the power that we're talking about, I, I see it as a family comes up to receive communion. I see it as a declaration saying that as a family, we will serve God. As a family, we will live for God. Now, it's an individual choice that each person has to make, but you see multiple times in Scripture where the, the head of the household together would make these types of declarations. Joshua said this in Joshua uh, chapter 24. He said, Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river in Egypt, and instead serve the Lord. If it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, then choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your fathers served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in, the land, in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I love that Joshua spoke on behalf, on behalf of his whole family. He said, I don't know what everybody else is doing, but as far as me and my house, we're going to serve God. And he didn't say it like people do today. Oh, well, you know, they got to make their own choice. Well, Joshua made it for them. We're serving God. As long as you're in this house, we're serving God. You see the same thing in the New Testament in Acts chapter 10 when Cornelius got saved. 
the Bible says that when Cornelius got saved, he and his whole household was baptized, including his servants. And if you read the whole passage, he brought friends and neighbors over too. And Cornelius said, if you're here, everybody's serving God. We're all getting baptized. There may have been, I imagine, a few servants that were like, oh, I hadn't made that decision. It doesn't matter. Put him under. He's getting baptized, the whole thing. Everybody's serving God. Everybody's following God. Now, I understand it's a decision that each person has to make, but there's also power in this, too, when the parents stand up and say, hey, this family's going after God. This family's following God, and we set the example, and we go forward in that. So when you come together as a family this morning, of course we're celebrating the, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Praise God for that. But I believe we're also making a declaration as families saying, hey, we are serving God. We're living for God together. We're going to raise children that are serving God. Now, I understand everybody here is not part of a family. Again, you may come up by yourself. Well, then fine. You're making that declaration for yourself, and that's fine too. But we're going to do that together this morning. Amen.